1: Welcome to Seahawks Man-to-Man podcast powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Duggar. I'm here with my co-host Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. You guys know where to follow me. You guys know where to follow Chris as well. But we want to shout out the YouTube channel. Shout out to everybody who watches on YouTube. Seahawks Man-to-Man on YouTube. Chris, talk to
2: him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at c k i d d two zero six and that c kid two zero six.
1: All right, and we have a special guest with us to kind of kick off our draft coverage. Feels weird to kick it off in April, uh, but that's what we're, that's what we're doing here. We have making his uh, second appearance on the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. I believe is that yep. right, Chris? We have Danny
3: Kelly of The Ringer. Danny, what's, up, what's going on?
1: Man? Welcome back.
3: Thank you. Appreciate you having me back again. Uh, different circumstances, obviously now with. Uh whole new ball game whole, like whole <laughs> new era in cx football which is fun um yeah yeah exciting
1: do you get asked about seattle and their quarterback situation as, as much as i do like that's everything yes. that
3: people want to ask me about <laughs> on the street <laughs> people are always asking me if i'm sad about russell wilson leaving which <clears throat> i think that's like a that's a tough question to a- answer really because on one hand obviously it doesn't make any sense to trade a quarterback like russell wilson but on the other hand it's like kind of fascinating to see like where the cx are going to take this and like if they can do what they obviously believe they can do in terms of like rebuilding a, a program rebuilding the whole team around um you know i think what Pete carroll wants to do which is uh be very balanced play better defense obviously i'm sure it was killing him watching some of the defenses over the last few years in terms of like just how many points and yards they've been giving up and explosive plays all that um yeah it's, i think it's just gonna be fascinating it kind of makes me nostalgic for you know, the early days of the Pete Carroll, John Schneider era during 2010, 2011, when, you know, they were like grinding the the waiver wire, just like r- the roster churn, all that stuff and and trying to find like guys that would fit and, and play unique roles for them. I'm just thinking like Red Bryant. Uh, maybe they'll find guys like that. So um, when you don't have an established quarterback and, and a, an established like top tier quarterback and you probably don't look like a Super Bowl team, it's like it's a whole different like get like it's just a whole different style of like <laughs> fandom i guess so it's it's interesting
1: yeah this is like, like the time of the, in the calendar to trade russell too because like everyone can sell hope you can talk yourself in it yep. i've talked myself yep. into malik willis and Desmond ritter over the course of the last three weeks yes or you can talk yourself in the baker mayfield and you can see russell post stuff on social media and be like well glad that corny guy is not our guy anymore <laughs> and then as soon Here, as august not- hits you're like oh wait we don't have we don't have a quarterback Oh, my oh my God. damn. Like yeah. screw Pete, screw John. Like, yeah, this is the time they can sell, and then it's time to throw passes to people. And then I think that's when a lot more of the people who are like, ah, you know, let's see what Pete and John do are like, ah, oh, damn. I know. what did Pete and John do? <laughs> that's just my my thought on
3: it. I think you're absolutely right. It's like when the chips are down and they're actually playing games, like this is gonna get kind of ugly. Right. <clears throat> I think the majority of the time though, it's gonna be able to sell that hope. And like, you know, training camp is gonna be fine because there's gonna be all these different uh storylines that we're not really used to like obviously the quarterback competition is gonna be fun but yeah i don't know it it's a trade-off obviously so definitely we'll see how it goes
2: i'm right there with you i'm just as optimistic but i did go back and do some research and i looked up your draft guy from 20 2019 mm-hmm. and you had drew Locke, shades of smoke-free jay cutler which i, <laughs> I thought was that. like spot on i'm like okay okay so let's see what else danny's talking about here so i grabbed the quote And it is, he's a talented thrower, but to unlock his potential, he'll need to clean up his mechanics and play with more discipline under pressure. Both are big asks. Now that he is out of Denver and with the Seahawks, do you see him being a fit in this Seahawks system where managing the game, not looking to create turnovers, just pretty much being a pure point guard, I guess, is what Pete is looking for here.
3: Yeah, I think, so it's funny because honestly, the the scouting report that i wrote like number 1 i'm kind of patting myself on the back a little bit because it turned out pretty pretty real um but i think it hasn't really changed honestly like he's still um he's still that guy where like it'll he'll flash on one or two plays and it'll be like oh okay like i can see this this is this makes sense <laughs> like he'll he'll hit like a deep out or like a deep bomb or something and um you'll see that potential and that talent that he does have he does have talent um but I think the the decision-making is just tough. And, like, obviously, what he's done in the last, I think, year or two um, in starting for the Broncos and, and being a backup or whatever, like, it's just he, he hasn't been able to run a very effective offense. Like, it's just not been efficient whatsoever. So, generally speaking, I'm not super optimistic. Um, but, like, skill set-wise, he has a good skill set. Like And, honestly, I wonder what he, where he would go if he was in this draft class with these rookie right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because, let's see here, he is now... How old is he? He's twenty five, so he's like a he's oh, like one year older than Kenny Pickett. Um, <laughs> oh wow, which is bizarre. You know, I mean, it, like if he was coming out in this draft, I still think I think people would probably be pretty excited about him. Um, and so that gives you kind of, I guess, the baseline. That's probably what the Seahawks are thinking. Like, if we had this guy in this draft, where would we take him compared to Kenny Pickett, compared to Malik Willis, compared to Ritter, whoever? Um, I suspect they probably have him pretty high based on like their pre-draft, you know, grades based compared to this class, which is a part of the reason that, you know, they're given an opportunity to to compete here. Um, Decision-making, I think, is the biggest one. His footwork is kind of a mess at times, but I've had a surprising number of Broncos fans, like, tweeting at me, and, like, you know, not they're, like, obviously very happy that Russell Wilson's there, but, like, I've had a surprising amount of Broncos fans be like, I don't know, man, I still kind of believe in Drew Locke after <laughs> all that. Um, so, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, I don't think like I'm not optimistic. I'd say I'd put the odds on like 30% that it'll turn out to be a pretty good starter, but um, you know, that might, maybe that's even too high, but um, yeah, I think they're still going to make a few moves here.
1: Yeah. Actually, you're right. Danny, John Snyder is basically thinking of it. Like he, I think he said it at the owner's meetings or Hmm. either somewhere. He said it. I I remember looking at it when he said it and thinking, wow, he believes that. Uh, Like (laughs) if, if, if he's kind of looking at if drew was in this class, I have a quote somewhere. I should have digged it up, but like, he said he says something to the effect of he was in this class. Imagine where he'd go. And yep. Yep. perhaps there's something to that. I'm, I'm not exactly sure because the reality is he's not in this class. <laughs> right. uh, and the fact that he's had three years in the league and you do compare him to the rookies uh, in this class is probably not, True. not the greatest. Uh, <laughs> You know, like the, I think John was like, Yeah, we were going to take Noah Fant in the first round that year. I think in the first round, they had originally had pick 21. I was like, Well, if you like Drew that much, why weren't you going to take Drew? You know, with, uh, with the 21st pick. So there's a lot of, a lot of holes in that. Uh, but we'll, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. I'm not, we've talked about Drew a lot uh, on this show. and We probably will continue to talk a lot about Drew uh, going forward. Uh, but we can save that for later. Maybe future shows. I want to talk about some of these rookies. Yeah, I, I do. I want to talk about the drafts. Me and Chris are very open about how much college football we don't watch uh, on Saturdays. We're too busy playing flag football with one another on Saturdays or I'm traveling uh, to Seahawks games. So we're leaning on the experts now until the draft, until, you know, even after that. So just big picture really quick, though. When you do flip on the tape, I'm watching. (laughs) I'm Danny. I'm watching insert quarterback here. Yeah. When you are watching the quarterback, what exactly are you? What are the main things that you're looking for when evaluating?
3: So I think the first thing, you know, and, and this is something that you always want to see in uh, college quarterbacks because it's so difficult to, I guess, get the context of like the offense and and um, like what offense they're running, what style of offense they're running, um, whether it's a multiple read progression type deal. Like those are the things that you get to eventually. But like the first thing you want to see is accuracy. Like, is he hitting the targets that he's aiming for? Um I think is, is a big thing. And, and I've seen studies done where college accuracy, not necessarily completion percentage, but just like on target throws. And when, you know, you're not having other different variables involved and PFF does a good job of this. Um, that, that really does tend to translate well to the league. And like, when you got a guy who's playing under pressure and trying to move around, you got guys in your face, like trying to get a ball out quickly, like having that baseline foundation of accuracy is always, I think going to be really important. Um, so that's one thing. Um, you know, obviously in the, in the NFL today, you got to be able to not only just like be able to move around in the pocket, but also like move around in the face of pressure, I think. And, and, and John Schneider has been saying that for years too. Um, you know, you gotta be able to move off your spot and that's, you know, I think another thing that I look for is like, can how can he improvise? How can he deal with pressure? It's not necessarily running. It's, it's moving around in the pocket and feeling pressure and, and, and all that, um, past that, you know, obviously just poise, which is a hard thing to, I'm I'm sure just like measure or whatever, but like, you can kind of see it with some guys and and some guys you can't, Um, how do they deal? Like what happens when pressure's in their face? How do they deal with it? Can they throw off platform? Can they um, keep a play alive? Obviously Russell Wilson was huge with that over the years, Um, extend plays when, when the structure isn't really there. Um, So there's literally a million things like grading, honestly, just like grading quarterbacks is the hardest thing. Like you see, you see NFL teams, mess it up every year. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's very difficult, but those are the kind of baseline things I look for. Arm strength is somewhat important. And then that kind of goes to like what he's able to do throwing off platform and things like that, where when your feet aren't set, when your feet aren't, when you're not like hitching up and like getting your back into a throw, like any quarterback can like throw deep in that situation. Right. Um, I'm thinking of like, you know, Baker Mayfield, who, by the way, might be a Seahawks quarterback this year. Um, he doesn't really, in my mind, he doesn't really throw that well when he's on the move. He doesn't really throw that well off platform. What he can do is step into a throw and like he has a cannon when he can step into it. But to me, he's not that good once, you know, once the first play breaks down or once he's forced to move, things like that. So those are the things I look for. Um, but there's a million things, and it's it's a, again, it's like extremely difficult to figure out what the quarterback's going to do. And, you know, I think that's another reason the Seahawks are like actually going to give Drew Locke a chance here is because... um maybe in this new situation in this new scenario in this new offense with this offense coordinator, maybe he can kind of start to blossom. Um, I'm sure that's like what they're talking themselves into. So um, again, it's, it's a, it's a million variables that go into quarterbacking, but those are the main ones. When someone
1: says that a guy has armed talent, what, is, mm-hmm. what when you hear that, what does that mean?
3: It's kind of what I was talking about um, with being able to throw on the move, being able to alter, um, you know, the velocity. I think there's like, you got power throwers, you got guys who can like throw the hell out of the ball, but like they can't take anything off of it. In certain situations, they end up like overthrowing guys. Um, So like being able to, they call it layer a pass over like a defender at the second level, um, put some touch on it. Russell Wilson, of course throws an incredibly catchable deep ball, things like that. Um, But arm talent to me is, is like I said, if you, anybody can like hitch up and lean into a pass and like huck it down the field, but your ability to throw when you're off platform, when your feet aren't set, um, that's kind of what separates guys, I think, and and why you see like Mahomes making some of the most absurd throws in the world. Like he has true arm talent.
1: Yeah, Mahomes in the Super Bowl that they lost honestly might be some of the best arm talent I've <laughs> yeah. ever seen in my life. Being able to throw a what should have been a touchdown while he was horizontal. Yes, you know, like from, from the ground hit dude right in the helmet or the face. Yeah, I think it hit him in the face. Un, 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 unreal. <laughs> one, one more thing on scouting. Like, are you able? Does this require? um interviews or are you able to glean like how much responsibility a guy has at the line with with checks and audibles and sliding protections and stuff can you see that stuff on film or is that interview stuff
3: you can see some of it most of it i think it does require a little bit more digging talking to and reading about the offense talking to coaches reading about the offense talking to the player things like that gives you more context in terms of like what kind of offense they're running um you know, like Matt Corral is a guy that comes to mind here. Like he was running almost purely RPO based offense. Like he wasn't doing a lot of progression reading. Um, You know, most of the time he kind of knows where he's going to throw the ball before the ball is snapped in general. Um, And so uh, that is something that's like, again, how do you project that to the NFL when they're not going to be doing that at all times? Like that's very difficult, if not impossible to figure out. Um, So, I think that's why this quarterback class is kind of confounding too, is because you know, you got Corral, who's got a cool skill set, and he's like got a, like a whip like arm, he can run around, all that stuff. But like, he's just running this really simplified RPO offense where his reads are very defined for him, and he's not having to like dissect and, and you know, figure out the defense on the fly as much as some of these other guys. In fact, I think Ole Miss ran more RPOs than almost any team in college football. Mm. Um, so that's something to keep in mind, you know, like a guy like Sam Howell, who same deal. Like they ran a lot of RPOs. He was throwing a deep a ton, but then like if the first read wasn't there and this bugged me about him, it's like, he would just take off running. Maybe that was what his coach told him to do. And you know <laughs> that like, he can't fault him for that necessarily. If he's like, if your first read's not there, just take off. Cause they ran, he ran so many quarterback draws this year <laughs> um, or just quarterback scrambles. It was kind of incredible. Um, but at the end of the day, how do you project that to the NFL where you're not going to be asking him to do that? So, um, I think that's like the challenge that you do have to get kind of the, um, the lowdown from either like coaches or scouts that know what they're running. Um, I think with like a guy like Ritter, you can see him in the all 22, particularly like setting guys up, setting protections, changing the play, things like that, where, um, instead of just looking to the sideline and seeing a sign and running a play, like some quarterbacks do, like he's like in there running a offense, you know? And so that I think gives him an edge in my mind going forward. He's not the only one that does that, but, um, you know, that's something that it's going to make his learning curve less steep, I guess. And I remember when Russell Wilson came in into the NFL, like he immediately went in and like ran the Seahawks rookie camp, like from day one, it was like a few weeks after the draft, he'd already learned the Seahawks offense and like basically ran their camp for them. Um, and to me, that's like always, I use that as sort of a litmus test because I'm like, are any of these rookies going to be able to come in and do that? Like, I think most of them are probably Ritter. I think maybe the exception, but like are any of these guys going to be able to come in here and be able to run, literally run the camp for the team, you know, like Russell Wilson was. And that's how he won that starting job. That's why, you know, I think he's so, been so good is because he has that, um, you know, that knowledge and that ability to do that, the ability to learn an offense and, and run it and all that. So those are some of the things that are kind of impossible to see on tape, but um, really matter.
1: Man, it just hearing how hard it is to scout QBs. I just, I can't imagine si- voluntarily signing up for that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you have let's give up our guys so we can do that with like 12 guys who are like ages 20 to 23. Like that sounds like just the Hell. most exhausting task in the world. And you have to do it while you're doing free agency and all these other things. Like it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's just a mess. Uh, but speaking of the guys who have to do that task. Um, and I think this, this boils down to like how you feel about the Seahawks right now. Basically, comes down to the answer for everyone, not just Danny or me or Chris. Everyone, how they can answer this question would we'll direct us to Danny. Just like, where is your confidence level in Pete Carroll and John
3: Schneider to do well in this draft? <sighs> oh boy. I here we go. I, to I mean, wait look, for this answer.
2: <laughs> strap in.
3: I think you know, obviously, early in the era of the, the this the this regime or whatever you want to call it, like the PCJS era, um, I would have been like, oh yeah, they're gonna nail this, like. They're so smart at, at like zigging when the NFL is zagging, finding guys that'll fit into their scheme, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's been so long of like teams, you know, sort of copying what they've been doing early on with like the long corners and the cover three and all that. Um, they've got so much brain drain in the sense they lost so many coaches that are now like head coaches and assistant coaches and, and really top tier coaches in the NFL. They've lost so many of those guys from the early days of the, the Pete Carroll era. Um, That to me, like their edge that they had early on is gone. And so now it feels more just like a coin flip. I'm not saying I'm, I I don't think I'm expecting them to fail. I just think the odds of them hitting on a draft class are about as good as any other team in the NFL, which is not great. You know what I mean? So like, I don't think they have a super strong edge. Like I used to think they did. Um, so that's kind of like, I guess the main change. I don't think they're, um, incompetent, but you know, I think that the draft is so hard. Um, I, I just think that the, the main thing I keep thinking is like, I hope they just don't get cute with everything, you know, like, right. Just take a good player. Like don't trade back <laughs> four times, you know, and like think you can like be smarter than everyone else in the NFL. Like if you're sitting there at nine, I I'd prefer they probably take a good player or maybe trade back a few spots, but definitely don't trade back into the end of the first round. Um, Because I think that's where you see like a big sort of cliff of, of like the elite talent in this class. And so, Yeah, I just I just don't want them to get too cute with everything, and just take some good players, like take take positions that matter the most. Um, Don't reach like crazy on a guy. Like I understand that draft Twitter doesn't have all the information and and isn't the end all be all like knowledge, but they've done it so many times now where they're like, you know, the Jordan Brooks one comes to mind, but also like Rashad Penny, uh, LJ Collier. It's like all these picks they make are like expected to be like third rounders, and it's like this is their first round pick. It's like, mm. why do you have to go against the grain so much? <laughs> like, just pick, like, go wisdom of crowds just a little. Um, that's kind of my hope. So we'll see how it goes. Obviously, I, I know that no one has all the answers, but it does feel like they've tried, or, or at least they've sort of viewed themselves as, like, smarter than everyone else with a lot of these picks. Um, so I, I hope they don't do that this year.
2: To make sure we're all on the same page, you are basically telling Schneider to not trade out of the ninth overall, to accumulate more picks, Correct. Not unless you're dropping back just a few spots. Like okay. if you can pick
3: up like a third rounder by dropping back two spots, or a second rounder by dropping back five spots, or whatever it is, I don't know, like off the top of my head, what it would cost to do that. But just don't drop back into the into the end of the first round. <laughs> that would be my goal. Got because it. Because okay. then you're skipping out on so much talent that could come in right away and, and start from day one, kind of deal.
2: As um, you said, don't get cute. Exactly. What if the think,
3: Saints
1: call? Yeah, and they and they they offer. What do the Saints have now? Nineteen and sixteen.
3: So that would be. Uh-oh. That would be interesting cuz if you're trading back and getting a first rounder, like that's a different story. Um a lot of times you'll trade back and um pick up like a second day pick or a third day pick or something like that. Um or potentially even like a another a first rounder next year. Um you know, like if it's a first rounder I can definitely get on board with that, but anything less than that I'm like okay, this is just, you know, second round pick is not a coin flip, but kind of close to it, you know, especially with, how well, they've been drafting the last few years. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. That's just kind of, I, I just feel like yeah, volume drafting is, is good generally. Um, but at some point, sit there and take a guy.
2: <laughs> I guess right. is kind of my point. Yeah. Take a guy guys. This is the year. You ninth pick. Go. Take for a guy. <laughs> there we go. Where do you see this class being strong at the top? Where mm-hmm. is it deep? And where is it lacking? Where's it weak?
3: So, I think the strongest position at the very top is edge, which is great for the Seahawks because they need edge players. Um, And there will be, even if you're like the fourth edge in this class, I still like the edges at number nine. Like if they take a guy like Javon Walker from Georgia, uh, Jermaine Johnson from Florida state, like at nine, like that's not, I don't think that's a bad pick at all. I think, you know, obviously you'd rather have the tight end or the edge one in the class, but he's not going to be there at nine. Um, So I think if, if you're talking about the edge class, I think that's really strong there's three really good tackles in this class. So if one of those guys is there at nine, I'm fine with that. Um, there's a couple of really good corners at the top of the draft. Um, and if we're talking about like the blue chip players, like I think sauce Gardner, I think Derek Stingley are both blue chip players. And then I don't know if Trent McDuffie fits what they want to do. To be honest, I don't really know what they want to do yet. Like it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what they'll do on defense this year. Cause it sounds like they're going to change. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so maybe McDuffie actually fits what they want to do because he's a good blitzer and he's a good, zone guy like i don't think he's going to be a a press man like richard sherman style corner for for anybody but um you know if if they're switching styles up and and what their cornerbacks are asked to do like he might be a good fit for them so um and you may have noticed that those are all blue chip position or those are all super premier positions Mm -hmm. so i'd be happy corner edge tackle um i hope they don't take a linebacker i hope (laughs) they i mean i guess defensive tackle would be fine it wouldn't be my first choice. Devontae White and Jordan Davis are two really good defensive tackles, though. Um, and I think they would make their team better by either of those guys, grabbing either of those guys. Um, but I would probably have it be edge tackle corner or in some, some order I actually wouldn't be, I would be pretty stoked if it was Stingley to be honest or sauce. Um, but yeah, I think that number nine spot, that's why it's like on a sweet spot. I don't really want to trade back. Cause there's going to be a lot of good players right there.
2: And where do you think is weak?
3: Um, I don't really like the linebackers as much as a lot of other people. I think linebackers are a pretty deep position this year. Uh, you can get guys on second day, third day that could come in and start. I'd rather they wouldn't spend a first rounder on a linebacker, even though they just lost Bobby. I think they should just kind of roll with who they got right now. Um, and then that's a good question. Who else? Like,
2: yeah, I just looking it.
3: down the list. Like I would <laughs> say, don't go linebacker. Don't go interior lineman at number nine offensive line. Um, Those would be the main ones. I think you probably just can wait until day two to do
2: that. Yeah, giving up, Bobby. uh, All right. So you're not Danny's (laughs) not
1: on the the, uh, draft Devin Lloyd at at nine. uh, No. uh, no.
3: I like him, but I think he's more to me. I've seen him being mocked in the top 10 lately. To me, he's more of like a late first round type player.
1: I think there's like a couple teams that if they get him, I'd be like, damn, like that's going to work. Like I think if the Patriots get him, Like I feel I feel like that'll work. There's another team off the top of my head I can't think, but like he just he just he just hits people really hard, like hard as hell. Yep. It it almost reminds me a little bit of when I rewatched the Saints Seahawks game from this last year and I like really was like, oh 56 is like kicking ass. He's the best player on the field. I was like, oh, that's tomorrow Davis. Yep. I don't get his number wrong, but like that was yeah, he was nasty. Yeah, it was like every play. that just came, I think I tweeted it too. I was Like they keep running it at him like he's soft. <laughs> I don't know. He's blowing up Why everything. that's the case? Like these, these, this guy is nasty. What that's kind of how I feel watching a uh, little bit of Utah's defense. I'm like, wow, this guy.
3: I mean, he's all over ass. the place for sure. Yeah. Um, but again, it comes down to like positional value. It's no, like, I'm with you. An, I'm yeah, with don't you. take another interior like off-ball linebacker. Um in the first round please <laughs>
2: <laughs> the name of this podcast don't get cute <laughs> yeah no
3: seriously i think that's like danny's kind of hit the
1: nail like yeah you can take rashad penny lj uh jordan they could all be good players but like I, it, it was hard for me in the wake of the draft to find people who had them as first round first round grades yep. yeah i guess with, with rashad in particular a lot of people who had like third or fourth round Grades on him. L. J. was in that second, third range, and the, the Jordan, Jordan was similar. Yeah, yeah, Jordan. I found someone who had a first round grade on him, but like, I took that with a grain of salt because of yeah. his background. But trying to
2: be smarter than anybody yeah, in the room. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: just, I, I wasn't feeling it. So yes, yeah. John, don't get cute, Pete. Don't be cute. Like, like how Danny said it. Take yeah. a guy, dude. Pick
3: here, <laughs> someone. So, here's that. Like it, all the best teams in the NFL, right? Like. say the Ravens or like, you know, the Patriots, their draft history is a little bit sketchier than some of the other teams here maybe. But like, I always think about like the Ravens um, who consistently smart decision-making in the draft, Um, you know, they've had misses. Every team has misses, but like when you build through the trenches, you kind of just like take blue chip players at blue chip positions. Like, how's that going to go wrong in the long run? You're going to miss a few guys. Um, But I don't know. Like, yeah, to me, it's just like they're number one, they're drafting reactionary. Like oh we had a crappy situation at this position last year so we got to take a first rounder here this year. Um, they I feel like they've done that a few times um, and instead of so that just like take foundational guys maybe this is now that they're like Russell wasn't gone they're like resetting this like slate or whatever like maybe now they'll get back to that. Um, but it did feel like they're drafting a reactionary versus just like laying a foundation.
1: That's I feel like that's exactly what happened in 2018 and 2019 at the top. You know they couldn't run the ball in 2017. Chris broke his leg. Mike yep. Davis led. I think Russell actually led them in rushing yeah. yards. And then they take Rashad. And the the very next year they trade Frank Clark. I think like five days before the draft or something like that. It's so like oh shit, we need an edge rusher. Let's take L. J. Yeah. Collier. Yeah. And But then the next year they don't. They do the exact opposite. Like we have K. J. Wright and Bobby Wagner. So let's take their backup. <laughs> and the first round is just like I don't. Yeah. I don't know what we're. <laughs> What's the plan? Here? I don't see guys. the vision. It's yeah, I, I don't. So yeah, the, I like that idea. Don't get cute. Just take a guy. That's it's just. I just like that. I'm also like the they man. released
3: Bobby and then he got paid. Like just keep Bobby. You mean I, I know that Bobby. Team, like <laughs> I mean I know that he he wasn't you know himself necessarily last year and his play has kind of started to fall off a little. But like I don't know. It, I agree with you. It's like I don't know what the plan was there. It didn't it seem like something that they really need to run from there my my job is
1: to find out what the plan is and relay that to readers and i'm trying really hard and i got <laughs> I, I have nothing about half the time yeah you know i'm talking to my editor and it's like oh michael sean we need something you know for this week me a couple stories this week and i'm like i don't really have anything because i don't know what the seahawks are doing So like, how am I supposed to? I can only write that in so many sentences, which is what I've done. uh, Giving away the game here for all everyone who subscribes to the Athletic. Uh, (laughs) Let's let's dig more into some of these specific specific position groups. Um, I want to start with uh, these quarterbacks. Let's just Mm. let's start let's let's do do this. I got four: Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral. Rank them. Rank them as how they would fit. Maybe not just broadly. Just like if the Seahawks were to take them, your confidence level in that. I want to make this. Yeah yeah yeah.
3: Um, I think I actually would have. This is tough. I think for me, it's easy. The first two are Willis and Ritter uh, for the Seahawks. And then generally, like right now, if you look at my rankings, it's going to say something different, but I'm doing an update, I think tomorrow. So I'm going to have it. Willis Ritter pick it um, as my top three. And I would put, probably put that here for the Seahawks too. Um, and you could maybe talk me into depending on what it's going to cost. I might rather have Corral in the second than pick it or certainly rather have in the second than pick it in the first. Mm. Um, so I think Willis is the most interesting for the Seahawks because I could see him running what they ran with with Russell Wilson early in Wilson's career, getting back to, uh, you know, the read option game, getting back to the quarterback, being a part of the run game. I know I think they've led the NFL at least one year, maybe multiple years in rushing when Russell Wilson was doing a lot of the read option stuff with Marshawn Lynch. Um, you know, I think that's what they want. They want to control the football. They want to be like tough. They want to kick your ass kind of deal. Like, they don't want to be a uh, high-flying, high-like octane passing game that's very dependent on Russell Wilson being on that day. That's right. not. That's what they don't want because what R- Wilson, for how great he has been during stretches, for some reason every year is like. Can you swear on this podcast? He's yeah, yeah, He's dog shit. <laughs> on like two or three games a year <laughs> for whatever reason maybe it's the defense they're facing maybe he's just off you can see it within like a few minutes of the game starting it's like oh this is gonna be one of those games right um and i don't think they want like i think that's probably a big part of why they traded russell wilson not you know obviously there's a, many variables here wilson i think ultimately didn't want to play here um but um i think part of it was like they just want to be able to run their offense regardless of how the quarterback is playing on any given day, which of course you can argue the validity of that, but that's what I think they believe. Um, And so if you get that back to where you're like running the hell out of the ball, the read option is like creating a whole bunch of opportunities for them to like run. It's opening up, uh, you know, holes for Penny and and Carson or whoever they draft in the draft this year. Um, It gives their defense something to feed off of. It gets deep, keeps the defense potentially off the field longer. Um, you know, these are all theoretical ideas, but I think this some things that they believe in. Um, so that's why I think Willis would make a lot of sense for them. Plus he's like good, like where he's good, um, fit what the CX want to do. Like he's really good out of structure. He's really good making plays where he's running around, escaping pressure, throwing to the sideline, which is like what Russell Wilson was doing for like all the first three years of his, of his career. He's good. uh, You know, he has the skill set to throw on the run. I could see him being like really strong in a play action, heavy offense he's not good at dropping back and just dissecting a defense or whatever. Like he's not a guy who's been in a re like a passing game where you're just like going through multiple reads and like, you know, dissecting a defense. So that's sort of the trade-off you get with Willis. Like, are you willing to go back to, and do you want to go back to that type of offense? I could see them doing that. Um, and so that's why I think I would be the most excited if they got Willis, but I think it's going to cost a lot now. Like you're going to have to maybe trade up potentially.
1: You have to jump in front of Carolina at six, maybe
3: potentially um and i know that some you know some team may be willing to jump up to like the giants like the saints now have two first rounders so maybe they're gonna try and jump up to like the number five spot which is what i have theorized in my next mock draft you know i think it's it's one of those things where you can't just let him land to you You certainly can't let him land to late in the the round i think he's probably going to be a first round pick and probably gonna be a top 10 or 11 pick so Mm. You have, to, you have to commit to that. If he falls, though, like maybe that's where you use 40 and 41 to trade back up into the first and grab him. Um, th- there's a scenario I could see that happening. It sounds like the buzz for Desmond Ritter has been growing a lot. He's he's meeting with the Seahawks, I think, this week. Yeah, um, yeah he is. And he's another guy I think that would actually make a ton of sense. Like, skill set-wise, he's not that off. He's not that different from Russell Wilson was early in his career in the sense that... Um, he's very smart like he's he's what i mentioned earlier in the pod where he's like he's the type of guy that can come come in as a, and run the rookie camp he's smart he's he like a leader the guys rally around him from everything we've heard he's like a four-year starter been a winner i know that people cringe when you say that but can you absolutely see john schneider thinking that oh he's a winner that's great let's 100 percent. yes yeah <laughs> um so, yeah, I think he kind of fits what they want to do, and it would not surprise me whatsoever if they draft Ritter. I think, actually, the, the odds are the most probably that they'll draft Ritter out of anybody. Um, and then I'd follow that up with with Corral, would be the other guy. But I think they could get him in the second round. I think he's going to be a second rounder, if not further back. If he falls to the third round, maybe they grab him. Um, so, and I think, again, with Corral, it's like it's a projection. He's not as big as these other guys. He doesn't have um, as big of an arm, though he does have a good arm. Um But it's like it's the thing of like how does his his experience translate to the pros? I think it's something that they're going to have to like develop you for a few years, which is maybe why they like do the lock as a bridge quarterback type deal, Um, and then work from there. So I think those would be the top three, Um, and then I wouldn't. I just don't think they're going to like pick it for whatever reason. Maybe they do. I don't know. (laughs) That works out. There we go. I like that that (laughs) one. The ending one, short and sweet. Yeah. Maybe I like like him. He (laughs) doesn't have big hands. He (laughs) did. He has (laughs) tiny hands. (laughs) And he wears he wears two gloves. Right. He's off the board right there. Yeah.
2: Does it, he wear two gloves? Yeah, he's
3: two t- two gloves. Um, huh. I don't see that. <laughs> I don't know
2: why he would do that. Small hands, two gloves. I'll, yeah, all right. I want to switch to the defensive side of the football and look at the pass rush. <laughs> the Seahawks don't plan on bringing back their sack leader in Carlos Dunlap, so they need someone to come in and rejuvenate this pass rush. You mentioned a few guys earlier in the show, but who do you think could come in with this 3-4 <clears throat> scheme that they're rolling with and get this pass rush back to, I guess with Frank Clark where they actually were pretty damn yeah. good.
3: Yeah. Um, so I, I would imagine Hutchinson's absolutely not in the picture. I think he's going to be the first pick. If he's not the first pick, he'll probably be the second pick. Um, I think if Kayvon Thibodeau falls, like that would be mm. an almost ideal situation for the Seahawks because he is number one, sort of local. Like he went to Oregon. He's kind of got the West coast vibe. And, and I think that fits like, you know, from a personality point of view, like the big knock on him is he has that interest outside of football I think Pete Carroll is like kind of the coach that would be the one that would be most willing to accept that and, and help this person thrive with all the everything they want to do off field, too. So I don't think that would be a big deal to the Seahawks, although that could be totally wrong. But if he falls to number nine, Thibodeau would be awesome um, because he I do think he has the skill set to kind of do everything that they want to do. I You know, he's primarily a pass rusher, but he's a good run defender. He's athletic enough. So I wouldn't be surprised if he could just drop back and be comfortable in, in zones if they wanted him to do that off the edge. Um, he's even a type of guy I think he's thick enough to like move him around a little bit on the offense or on the defensive line, rush from the inside if they if they wanted to um, use him that way. So he would make a ton of sense. Uh, Trevon Walker from Georgia, if he is there at nine, which is not sounding likely now, but if he's there at nine, I wouldn't be surprising whatsoever if they like him. He's kind of um, it's not. You know, he's similar, I guess, in, in uh, style to Frank Clark in the sense that he's like a really good athlete, really thick built guy with long arms um, who didn't have a ton of production in college. But like you love the the measurables and the potential, the twitchiness, the power, all that stuff. Um, so he could be a guy I think that could that they would be very interested in. And then I think Jermaine Johnson is the other one that's been connected to the Seahawks a lot, too. And he makes a ton of sense. I don't know. For sure, if it's a great value to pick him at nine, it does sound like he's going to be a top 10, top 15 pick. So um, I don't like him quite as much as the other players, uh, the other pass rushers in the in the top 10. He's just not quite as twitchy, I think, but um, he's very powerful. Again, he's kind of like Frank Clark mode, like very powerful, long, um, you know, like rock solid defensive end that could probably get you like six, seven sacks kind of deal and be like a good member of your defensive rotation.
2: Okay. I like the sound of that, man. Daryl Taylor needs as much help as he can get right now.
1: Do you yeah. like it? Do you like any of the... Um, I'll try to think of guys I kind of saw like in the second round. It was like, the guy, it was like a guy from Penn State, I want to say. Oh, yeah. Ebiketti. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not, sure, from, like, I'm I'm not sure I'm saying
3: his name right. But yeah, he's he's awesome. He's a uh, late first round, probably. Um, But he's really long, really explosive, really bendy. Uh, He reminds me of Daryl Taylor, actually, quite a oh, bit. There we go. Um, okay. So he would be, I think, a great fit for them. Yeah, if he's still there at forty, that's like the steal of the second round for me. Um, but I doubt that. I think he'll probably be in a, a late first rounder.
2: Maybe I'll email that clip of Danny saying, "Hey, if he's available at forty, that'd be a steal." You think the Seahawks <laughs> will bite on that? <laughs> <laughs> well, the interesting thing about the Seahawks
1: with the edge position now is I'm almost I'm, I'm almost always exclusively looking for guys who can rush from a, a two point. Mm-hmm. now which is like that uh, that was nice before but now it feels like a necessity now because you look at their cuts that they've made carlos dunlap uh benson mayoa not like these guys couldn't rush the pastor anymore it's but basically like we've been in the league for 10 years because we're four three defensive ends guys Right, like, right. Or, right. that's what i am now whereas daryl can just can stand up put his hand in the dirt um yeah my man from penn state i don't know how to say his name which is why i keep saying the school i know his first name was arnold, arnold
3: ebakedi ebakedi Let's go with that.
1: Um, and even mm-hmm. what about uh, my man from uh, South Carolina, Kingsley? something.
3: and Um, hey, there you go, Danny. Danny's on it with the pronunciation. That's <laughs> how you want to watch. He calls he's me. definitely interesting too. He's bigger, he's like more of a force, like physical, rock solid. He's not super bendy type player. Um, at least for my at least in my opinion, but he is like he's just plays with his hair on fire kind of guy, like he's gonna be a good rock solid edge. Um, this guy Drake Jackson from USC, I think is pretty intriguing. He's like a little bit smaller. You probably have to gain weight, get a little bit um and that's I think they can do that. Like some some guys have the ability to like fluctuate their weights. I think he did this a little bit in college, Drake Jackson. Um, but he has some of that natural bendiness that you can't really teach a guy. And I think he would make a lot of sense for them. Um, Boye Mafe from Minnesota is a lot of interesting him. guy. I like him. Who actually never mind because I did comp him to Daryl Taylor. Um, I, I should take back what I said earlier about Evakidi, but like um, I mean, they're the same style, like long, physical, really explosive. Like Maffe's measurables, like his times in his, in his 40 and his vertical and stuff were like all elite, like 90th percentile. Like he's mm. just a freak athlete, just trying to kind of figure out how to, how to be a pass rusher kind of deal. So he might be a late first rounder, but he could definitely be there at 40. Wouldn't surprise me if he was there at 40. So he's another guy to keep in mind. Um, David Ojabo from Michigan is another one here. And especially if the Seahawks are having sort of like the long view, um, because he tore his Achilles, uh, at his pro day, like a, a month ago or like a couple weeks ago, he might not have even gotten surgery yet. Um, so he's probably going to miss most of his rookie season, but, um, he was projected to be like a top 10, a top 15 pick probably. And he's just really explosive off the edge. He's not a very good run defender, so they may not like him. Um, but he has a lot of potential as a pass rusher um so he's another guy that's pretty interesting but again it would be like a red shirt season probably for the most part
1: uh yeah i went to uh i was doing my mock and i was like let me see about some edge guys in the second round i got to boy mafe and i looked at some of the testing stuff and i was like oh no shit he won't be here <laughs> yeah he's <laughs> probably gonna be first rounder <laughs> yeah i was like it uh, i was like i could have the mock trade up for him but i was like no nah, it's, it's this is that's the decisions you got to make and yeah at 40 is like ah right, let's 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 stay where we at. uh let <laughs> Let let us bounce back to offense really quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Let let's go to O line because uh, I feel like I mean I've written about it every time <clears> I've <throat> opened my laptop. It's like the offensive tackle situation in Seattle is like very who scary. are tackles,
2: right? <laughs> Great question.
1: You know, uh, I forget. I think one of our Saints guys hit me up on uh, our Slack channel because mm-hmm. he's uh, doing like a depth chart of every offensive line yeah. room uh, yeah. of, of the starters of every uh, team if the season started this week or something whatever he was doing he was like hey man I don't even know who the starters would be for your team can you tell me <laughs> and I gave him he was like I don't know who half these guys are who do, uh, who do you think is gonna be the left tackle
3: if they don't re-sign Dwayne Brown
1: so this is I told uh hey I can't remember my guy's name now one of our Saints people but I told him from left to right Stone Forsyth yeah uh Damian Lewis Austin Blythe Gabe Jackson Jake Curran Man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Your words, exactly. Man. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's, that's good. I don't know. That's just kind of scary to me. Right. So let's assume as we're the Seahawks, the Seahawks mock we're doing here just for the just for nine. Mm-hmm. We assume that um Icky's gone and we assume Evan Neal we is have gone. Damn it. <laughs> <I> w- <laughs> okay. is, do you think is there a world where you think either of those guys last to nine? Um.
3: Probably not. Probably not. Um, there is a chance, I suppose, if there's an early run on edge rushers and quarterbacks. Mm. So, like, in that world, I could see it. Like, at one of those two, Evan Neal or icky being there, and then you run to the podium. Um, <laughs> that's an expression. They don't, I don't even think there's a podium anymore. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I've seen people, including big draft media, uh mocking Charles cross from Mississippi State to the Seahawks at at that spot mm-hmm. and I like cross a lot but for some reason I just think that they're not gonna like him that much because he isn't as well versed as a pat as a run blocker as the other guys like he just he was in uh, Mike leach's offense right like you know he's doing a lot of pass blocking a lot of pass blocking he showed promise I think he flashed as a run uh, run blocker um but he's just not, He's not in the same level of, of a run blocker as Aki Aquanu and Evan Nealon. So that might be something that they're like, well, we'd rather have a guy like Trevor Penning, which I think would be like the worst, the worst realistic scenario for that number nine spot is them picking Trevor Penning for me. <laughs> Cause I don't, I don't think he's a first rounder. Um, oh no. That's I mean, I think he's a fringe first rounder. Yeah. Northern Iowa. Uh, here's the problem. I think he's probably going to be a good player, but like, you're picking this is getting cute again like this is the cx <laughs> getting cute you're picking a small school guy who has in my mind pretty clear like developmental issues they still gonna have to work out he's gonna have a massive jump in competition he's like a really athletic gritty guy like he's like a glass eater type guy so i'm sure they love him and so now i'm nervous they're gonna pick about nine and i think that's gonna be bad value um I'd way rather have just like so many other guys at that spot, I guess is my main point. It's not that I necessarily hate Penning. I think Penning will probably be, end up being a fine pro, but like just like so many other guys, so much more at that spot. And I could see them painting themselves into a corner and be like, we have to take a tackle. <laughs> you know blah 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 so that would be like my war. that'd be like the danny's down bad you know like i'm gonna be just like distraught if that's the case well it,
1: yeah that's the thing about the draft when you're covering it from a seahawks perspective is you you can be logical and you have to in the back of your mind account for something illogical yeah, <laughs> happening there or getting yeah. getting cute i mean even like even I just telling I think maybe last pod or a couple pods ago, I was looking at some of their draft stuff, and I was like, just even look at 2012, like their greatest draft ever, in my opinion. Like they traded out of the pick that became Fletcher Cox, you know, for uh to take Bruce, I think at 15, yeah, they 12 sounds and move right. back move back to 15. It's like that's not like Bruce is fine, but it's almost like to take it, just take a guy, I think. Yep. Like one of those trying that's, to get cute when you could have had an all pro yeah. defensive tackle.
3: That's exactly what I'm saying. Because you can do that like, every time they trade it back. Obviously, you pick up a couple extra picks, but if you really went back and like did all the math and like who they got, I think like it's 75, 80 percent of the time you're like, OK, we should have just stayed there and picked this guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we would have had a really good player instead of more mediocre players. <laughs> but on the other hand, like I do philosophically like believe in volume drafting because it's such a crapshoot. Um, having more darts to throw is good. But like, yeah, it, it's a it's a hard it's a double edged sword. It's a hard balance. Uh, or it's a hard thing to balance, I I suppose. And hindsight, of course, is 2020. But um, man, yeah. That's just like my whole thing is like just take a guy, take a good player.
1: Yeah, the the 2017 draft is probably one of the most important of the Pete Carroll era after like in the post Super Bowl era for them. The 2017 draft is probably one of the most pivotal. And it's a really good example of what you're talking about, Danny, where trading back like in theory was like fine, but like for example, before they took Malik McDowell, they traded out of like they traded like three times and mm-hmm. the players that they could have taken in those times they could have taken tj watt they could have taken uh ryan i don't know how to say his last ramchick the saints ramchick, yeah the tackle. Yeah, they really traded, tackle they could have taken tj watt ryan ramchick or uh or cam robinson um and mm-hmm. even like they could like they could have got better in the trenches like valuable positions you know tackle and you know edge yep. and even yep. then they did not they took the uh, malik one pick before taking before buddha went off the board so it was yeah. like not only did the strategy backfire by the time you got where you were you wanted to be you still took the wrong guy right you know right. In, in theory like that was where getting cute was like at its worst right there now every time i watch now every time the steelers are on primetime, one of my homies who's from seattle big seahawk fan he texts me every time TJY gets a sack
2: so i get a lot of texts. <laughs> <laughs> you got like
1: 20, for-
3: you got 20 texts this year yeah
1: Oh, tons of text. Shout out to our homie Billy. I get a text from him like every time. It's like, dude, why didn't we take TJ Watt? <laughs> it,
3: it's funny we... <laughs> because TJ Watt was like, I feel like he'd be so their type of guy too, like football, like meathead, just like most Blue athletic collar. guy, like, <laughs> bo- like, yeah, exactly. Blue collar, like, you know, culture changer, like intensity guy. Like, why did they not just pick
2: him? Yeah, we try to get cute. We think Malik McDowell is going to be our guy. Yeah,
3: and, and, and
1: I think that they're also the reason the 2017 draft is so interesting, there were some of those, I don't have them all in front of me, but some of those tradebacks, more darts or more bites at the apple, I think Schneider likes to use. Mm-hmm. Like some of them ended up being, one of them ended up being Chris Carson, but then another was like Lano Hill, you know, and like one of them I think was David Moore, but then like another one was like Nas Jones, where it's like, okay, it yeah. can work, but it doesn't. It is that hard balance of like, yeah what what is more bites at the apple worth relative to having i tackle for the next 10 years
3: yeah i gotta um i've you know like uh, my buddies and i have talked about this for a long time um justice muscata who does draft work really good draft work uh his thing and i totally kind of like buy this is like the draft is over after the fourth round Mm. like nothing after the fourth round matters those are just literal lottery picks (laughs) <laughs> like yeah you're telling me like david moore or chris carson is actually gonna move the needle like no you know what i mean like that's cool that they hit on those guys but you can find a replacement level running back pretty much anywhere i know i like chris carson a lot too by the way like i think he's a really good runner but like it's not like that those that shouldn't those picks like fifth six seventh round picks to me shouldn't even factor in at all like it's nice if you have them but like don't trade back so you can get extra lottery tickets you know what I mean
2: yeah
1: yeah the the uh someone does a breakdown every year I gotta find it this year of like how likely guys are when per each round to make yeah. the roster obviously the it's a really high in the first round duh but then once you get yeah after the fourth it's like woof these yeah. guys just even making your team right damn contributing for a second. Just right. even making it to where their parents come see them in a regular season game, you know, like is a stretch <laughs> right. at that point. Like you are getting lucky. You know, a Chris Carson is just like a once, not a once in a lifetime. He's a home run. Yeah. Grand slam. Like the odds of that are like the Seahawks. The stretch
3: ticket. It's like, yes,
1: this is this is what I feel like I oh won 200
3: bucks. <laughs> these
1: all these pods, I've been really critical of the Seahawks. I'm really not trying to, but it comes out that way. But that's because of how unlikely it is for a guy in the sixth or seventh round to even make the team. I've been really critical of them trading future sixth round picks to get back into seventh rounds. Which they oh, did. Yeah. They did back to back years did. to get last a, year to get Stephen Sullivan. Yeah, uh, that was two years ago. Okay, Stephen yeah. Sullivan and Stephon, then, excuse me. I don't actually. It could be Stephen. I don't remember. That's how long <laughs> he was not here. Uh, and
2: then did they he didn't play. play. He never wants to play a game. He I'm played sure. defensive he, yeah, end. Yeah, he played DN <laughs> in week eight. They were like, you know what? We need DN. So you're gonna be a DN now. He's like, all right, cool. Yeah, <laughs> and I forget
1: he ended up with Carolina, and then I don't know if he's in the league anymore. And they also did it to get John Ursua in 2019. John Ursua was their best one. But you traded a sixth to get back into the you know it's 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 tough yeah yeah. i'd rather just try to get the bidding war for him as a priority free agent that works that's what you're gonna do you know give him the extra signing bonus whatever i mean i really hope john i know the Seahawks pay attention to our content i think all three of us keep that in mind i don't know if they how deep they listen but they definitely pay attention so john (laughs) Pete, don't get cute hear us hear
3: us take Uh, the good players it's so easy yeah. Right. <laughs> Speak,
2: speaking of, I 100% good players.
3: recognize that. By the way, it's like really fucking hard to like draft players. So I just want to acknowledge that. Yeah.
2: There it is. I want to spin it back to the defensive end of the field because I'm a big cornerback guy. I just think that's one of the toughest positions to play. You're always trying to stop a really good player in front of you, and you can't do nothing. You can't touch them There's a lot of yeah. things you cannot do, but cornerback. Seahawks didn't want to pay DJ Reed. They have put themselves in a really tough position over the past few seasons with cornerback. So now they want to change things defensively. They don't have the cover three scheme where, hey, we're better than you. We're going to do this, and you can't stop it. They're looking to be aggressive, too high, match mm-hmm. coverage scheme. Who fits what the Seahawks are trying to do going into the 2022 season?
3: Yeah, I have a hard time like figuring that out because – um we don't know exactly like what they're gonna ask the corners to do on a play-to-play basis. I just think any of these guys in the first round, first couple rounds, would be awesome. Like I know that they've liked guys with a lot of length. So Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley make a ton of sense. They've kind of been off of that. You know, I think DJ Reed was, you know, shorter guy. Um Trey Brown is, is a shorter guy. So maybe like they're more open to whoever. But this is a good cornerback class. Like there's probably I don't know, 10 guys in this Mm. class in the first like two days that could be legit like starters for the Seahawks, I think. Um, so I think in the early part, like I would love it if they got Sauce Gardner or Derek Stingley. Like to me, those guys would be the type of players where if you pick them at number nine, they're the kind of players where you're like, okay, we're fine on that side. Let's figure out what we're doing on this other side. You know what I mean? Mm. Like we can like have, they can trust them to like lock this side down. Haven't had that really since like Richard Sherman days. Um, and it really affords your defense a lot of, flexibility when you can just kind of like trust that on that side you're set you know i i don't again i don't really know exactly how they're going to run their defense like maybe they're just going to ask them to like run cover two underneath or or whatever and um not put a lot of pressure on these guys so they won't pick a corner because they think they can get like more value later i mean that might be the might be what they do um but overall in this class there's guys with a lot of length guys with a ton of speed um And there's like six or seven guys. I think they could pick in the first couple of rounds. Like Kyer Elam from Florida, I think would be a lot of fun for them. Andrew Booth from Clemson. I like a lot. Um, There's a couple like really explosive guys and like day, like late day two. Tariq Woolen from UTSA is another interesting one. Um, But yeah, there's just like a really long list of corners this year. I think that would make a lot of sense for them. So this is, I'm pretty sure they'll probably pick a corner in this, in this draft and maybe they need to.
2: Let's put you on the spotlight. I know we don't know exactly what the defense is going to do. Who would you take at nine if you had the GM cap and you're like, you know what, I want to go for this guy? Who would it be? Any position or any corner? Excuse me, any corner? Yes, thinking with the corners. Yes,
3: um, probably Sauce, mm. <laughs> Sauce Gardner. I don't know. Like I, I go back and forth with him and Stingley because Stingley, I literally have them like next to each other. One A, one in- B. Yeah. The thing about Stingley, I guess that's a little bit scary, is he he was really good, like maybe the best defensive player in all of college football in 2019. Um, But in 2020 and 2021, uh, he missed a lot of games to injury, and he wasn't quite as good. It wasn't quite as, like, dominant as he was earlier in his career. So, like, there's some questions like what happened here. But, like, LSU, like, their program kind of fell apart. It was a total cluster. Um, And so, like, you have to keep that in mind. He had, I think, a Frank injury, so that's also a little bit scary. It's a foot injury they had to get surgery on. Um, so I probably just go like the safe thing. Like you want to have a hit, you want to have a top tier player in, in the top 10, like sauce Gardner is really long, really, really athletic. Um, he didn't give up a touchdown all year. (laughs) They barely even like paid attention to him. They were essentially just like, we're not going to throw in his direction, which again is like, it affords your defense a lot of like flexibility. If you just can shut down one side of the field, um, and trust that guy, um, And the other thing that's kind of cool is, and I think the Seahawks probably like this, is like he's renowned for being like a football junkie. Like he loves football. He doesn't smoke, doesn't drink from um, what I've read about him. Uh, He's just like all about ball. Like he lives and dies like football. And you know, the Seahawks are going to love that. Um, So and he has an awesome nickname, like it'd be fun to root for Sass Gardner. Like, I don't know. He he just he's a lot of fun. And but I'd be I'd be very happy with either of those guys.
1: Okay. What's what are, what are, what would you like about uh, Stingley if they took him over Sauce if they're both there at
3: nine? So Stingley, like he has number one. He did his pro day today. I think he was yeah, like, he, killed he showed, it. Showed like the elite athleticism that you have. Like he's very fast. He has really good makeup speed. He trusts the speed. He's patient in, in press. He can play press. He's pretty um you know he's long, uh, very athletic. He has good ball skills. Um, he's got the size that they want. I, like Gardner's pretty big too, but. Um, he's got the size and length that they typically have liked at that position. Um, and like, if you go back again to like 2019 season, he was number one practicing against Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase every day, mm. which is nice. You know, that's just like a competitive college right there that P. Carroll loves to say. And then, um, yeah, he was just like lining up, up against all the best uh, receivers in the sec and just like shutting them down. So like y- you love that, that upside that he brings to be like a true shutdown type guy. Um, I just think there's a few more question marks about him, injury, how he's played the last two years, which was not quite up to what he did in 2019. Um, So that's kind of like the big question mark.
1: You know, the thing I like, so I really think they got a, a, because I know you said you liked a lot of guys uh, at corner. That's kind of what leads me to like, all right, if you're going to take somebody at nine, it should be in the trenches or be at quarterback, Yeah, uh, which, which is that's kind of like my initial stance, but man, Like Chris said, I'm a big DB guy, too. So if they were to get, like, Sauce or or Stingley, I think who that really helps, like, quietly is Jamal. Um, Because I think a lot of why they had to have Jamal away from the ball, uh, away from the line of scrimmage last year was like, hey, Jamal, we need you to help these corners over Mm. here. Because we just don't trust these guys in the way that we should. Particularly in the early in the year when they had Trey Flowers over there. You look at Jamal just having to help or Quandre having to help. But if you're just like, hey, Sauce, A, your name is Sauce, <laughs> B, go over there and just stick, like, you got number 10 for the Rams for this field right yeah, now. Yeah, We'll handle the rest over here, and that just makes Jamal just this, like, joker defensive player or star or whatever exactly. teams, are, teams are calling it that. And then you just, like, unlock, quote-unquote, probably one of your most talented defensive players on the roster. Like, I, I get.
3: I like, mean, that, yes, yeah. that's,
1: that's something to me.
3: Like, so I think that's absolutely and that was why and I don't know if it actually ever came out officially that they were trying to get um uh what's his name? Sertan from from uh, Denver and as part oh, of the oh, yeah, yeah, trade. Yeah. But like it makes sense like they could be like, This is our version of Patrick Stanley. I think it was the ninth pick maybe last year, at least eighth or ninth. Um and so Yeah, I mean, again, like that's the exactly you laid out exactly what I was kind of trying to get to is like the flexibility that you have with number one scheme, because you can basically just run anything if you can trust that one guy like going back to the Richard Sherman days, like, you know, part of the reason they could always have some random CB2, like, obviously, I'm not saying Browner was bad, but like he definitely was vulnerable to some stuff. Byron Maxwell, same deal. These are not superstar players. They any in the minute they left the Seahawks, like they weren't very good anymore. Um Well, I guess Browder did, you know, did did do some stuff with Patriots, but like, I don't know. I think that the scheme and what Sherman was able to do really helped. And then obviously like Earl Thomas could help out on the other side. Um, I'm not saying they're going to run like that defense anymore, but like, yeah, like the ability to kind of unlock Jamal um, Adams and, and let him be more of like a joker piece, a guy that can kind of roam around. Like that's what he likes doing. And then you're not immediately telling the offense this is where you can throw the ball and have a really easy time. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that, because I remember like, I, I admit I would have to go back and like really study the Seahawks defense last couple of years with like Jamal, but like the numbers you see pointed out when like Jamal is like rushing the passer, like how terrible their pass their pass defense was because essentially defenses are just like, okay, he's coming from the side. We know exactly where we're going with football. Um, And it was like way too, easy for opposing defenses now if you get a, a really good corner in um again you kind of like shut down one area of the field you can kind of like do other things to shut down the other areas of the field and it becomes a whole lot harder for an opposing quarterback to like figure out where to go with football so i know the seahawks have not taken a corner high before but like maybe this is the year they do it
1: yeah i think the pittsburgh if you were a really good example it's the pittsburgh game of like what you're saying with jamal like he rushed i think the most he had like he 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 rushed a lot that game and then just stopped after that game. You could kind of tell like they were like, like all right, all right. <laughs> we've got this figured out. Big yeah. Ben has something sliding the protection one way, wherever Jamal is. They double teamed him off the yeah. edge once, which was crazy. Uh, and like the ball yeah. was just getting out where it needed to be every time. I think only once did a Jamal rush force a big Ben incompletion yeah. in that game. And it was just yeah. like, all right, that's guys. We're done with that. Like, yeah, maybe we'll give him one or two a week, but this is not eight or nine a snap. The, the Pete Carroll thing is so like the highest he's taken an outside corner is 90. And that was secure. Griffin. Griffin. That is crazy to me. But then I look at some of his guys, like where did he get Sherm fifth? Where did he get Byron? I want to say the sixth. Sixth, Yeah. yeah he was guy, like a special teamer for Clemson. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it turned him into a guy who the yeah. Eagles gave a bazillion dollars to, you know, Jeremy Lane at a Northwestern Louisiana State yep. University College of DeVry University or whatever Jeremy's <laughs> school was called. I swear it had a million names every time I look it up. It's some school yeah. in Louisiana, I'm pretty sure. Jeremy Lane was a, a sixth rounder. You know, G- DJ Reed is a guy who just got paid like 30 million. It's a fifth mm-hmm. round pick. Like I, c- I can see why Pete has kind of convinced himself, like and even Trey Brown last year, yeah, who was a waller in the uh three games he started in the five games he played overall. Pete's probably like, My sweet spot is rounds three through five, guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. Damn this first round thing, meanwhile all of us are like don't get cute, but
3: sauce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I mean, honestly, I can kind of see where they're coming from. Like uh this in this class in particular, like there's some pretty interesting guys on day two, um, that I'd be pretty excited about getting, but like yeah, I mean, again, it is going back to the don't get cute thing. Like you have like an elite blue chip player potentially in in sauce Gardner or Stingley um, and just having the knowledge that you can plug that guy in and like, you, I don't know, just don't get cute. I, that's I, that's uh, maybe this is the year they do it. Maybe that's just like an organizational thing. They just really don't believe in taking corners high and they won't do it. And mm. we're just like wasting our breath. But I just think it'd be a lot of fun. And, and I think it would make a lot of sense for them.
1: L- last thing on corners. You like either the UW guys.
3: Um, yeah, I like both of them. I mean, Trent Trent McDuffie, again, I think so he is not as long like he lacks length. I think that's like one thing that could be an issue for the Seahawks. He has short arms um, but again, like in this new defense, like maybe they're asking their corners to like play more like zone and in, in, in blitz and do some different things like they want to talk. They're talking about being aggressive. You know a lot more about like what their plans are in defense than I do. I, I, I really haven't dug into it, but like um, if they're not going to be doing what they have been doing, which is like, you know, cover three and, and having guys with a lot of length and all that stuff like he could make a lot of sense for them because he's like feisty. Again, everything you hear about him is he loves football like he's this alpha guy on the defense um, and then um, from there like the other guy, uh, Kyler Gordon he didn't test very well. So I don't know if that like hurts him. I, I mean, obviously it hurts him, but I don't know if it hurts him in the eyes of the Seahawks. He did test better at his pro day, but like he ran like a four or five something. Yeah, so that could push him down Um, and he could be a nice, really nice addition in like the second round. He I don't think they're not going to need to take him in the first anymore because he was getting some first round buzz. But um, he might be like a more of a third round guy now because of like the poor testing.
1: Yeah, I mocked him to the Seahawks at forty one. Yeah. Um, and I had some you people tell me he wouldn't be there. I was like, you sure? Like, I don't know. Like you said, I they got a pretty four good five, you know? Like,
3: look, I will be the first to acknowledge we make too much of the combine, but like with corners, that matters. Like, speed matters. Like, yes. teams really care about how fast a corner can run.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: So I think it will make him drop, to be honest.
1: Yeah. Cause nobody wants their guy just getting ran right by. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, there's so many, there's like so many, um, guys that were, like, good college corners that couldn't run fast and they just, like, sucked in the NFL. Like, it's, like, such a – it's a very strong correlation. You have to be fast. You have to be, like, 4-4 better. Or
1: yeah. or just have, like, a monster brain like Richard Sherman Uh and just, like, right. be able to run – like, DK said, like, uh, his first time playing against him, I want to say, when he was with the Niners in 2018, Uh DK ran the route and Sherm ran it for him. Yeah. Uh, mm. And DK was like, that was the first time someone had ever – or see this would have been 2019, sorry. But this was, like – DK was like that's the first time a corner's ever run my route for me. And that's like 31-year-old Richard Sherman against yeah. four three speed DK, but the speed didn't matter in that circumstance because Sherman knew the route, but that's hard.
3: And to have he's like, he's that. like, yeah, and I think that's that's what made him great. That's why he's gonna be a Hall of Famer. Like, he's so smart, he knows the routes, he can anticipate, get in front of him. The other thing is like with Sherman, he's such an outlier. Number one, he ran a slow 40 and this is maybe where Gordon, this is actually like what could bode well for Gordon is like Gordon from everything we've heard is like a freakish athlete. Otherwise like he's like a dancer. Like he, he has all these other like uh sports that he did growing up that, you know, potentially like they will make up for lack of like pure blazing straight line speed. Um With Sherman, I think he was like a champion triple jumper in high school. Like he's a really good athlete. Um, He had a good vert. And of course he's six foot three with like really long arms. So that like, Extra inch or two of like reach, and you've seen it a million times. Like, how many times was he in trail coverage and he reached back and like just de- deflected a football? Like that extra inch or two of length is like having an extra tenth or two of second on your 40, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because you're mm-hmm. disrupting the passing lane. So he's a total outlier. We saw how many teams try to get the next Richard Sherman. Like, did any of them work out? Like, how many of these like tall, long corners that teams try to get like John Baptiste or something like that. Uh, the Saints traffic, I think he's actually on the Seahawks shortly. Um, there was a couple others, like six foot three corners, like teams were trying to do after like Seahawks found Richard Sherman and, and, and like none of them worked out. As yeah,
1: far as I it, can it, it hasn't really. Worked. I mean, I, obviously
3: Jalen Ramsey's big as hell. Ramsey's, yeah, like he's a, he's just like another outlier, unique guy. They also had to use what, like the sixth pick to get a yeah, fifth right? pick or something like was, that. Like, fourth like... or fifth. Yeah, he he was like an elite, elite prospect. So, yeah, that's not coming around every day. No, no, it's
2: not. Danny, I got to know, man. How'd you do in fantasy last year?
3: <laughs> uh I did pretty well. Like, generally speaking, I, I won at least one league. I think I won two leagues.
2: Damn, um, okay. Uh,
3: I'm in a lot of leagues, so, like, I would say, I probably didn't do as well as I should have done. Okay. Uh, the problem is, and I'm going to blame it on this, it was a weird-ass year. There was, like, a ton of weird-ass injuries. So I'm just going to huh? say, I'm going to chalk it up to variance. This year, I'm going to do better, hopefully. No, I don't know. <laughs> fantasy football is a lot of... uh it's a lot of luck by the way it is a lot of luck i got lucky
2: <laughs> i won my first championship nice. this year i had patrick mahomes as my quarterback i went back and looked last year to see who you had in your tier one tier two you had russ in tier two now that he is with the broncos mr unlimited will he will his range grow will he be considered a tier one quarterback especially with the weapons now that Denver, not. probably not probably okay probably <laughs> not for
3: me i mean i do That's think fair. i think you'll be right around the same like do you guys think I guess this is a good question for you guys too? Like, do you think he's gonna be all that different in, in Denver than he is than he was in Seattle?
2: I tend to th- I think he will actually. If, okay.
3: If like the volume like passing and in, in, um tons and tons of touchdowns, like I would love to see that. Like I let, think the let Russ Cook thing, but
2: I think we're gonna see what we saw two years ago. Yeah. Except where it's gonna be 17 weeks of it. Man, so he I should hope so. he That'd should throw 35 plus touchdowns. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah because yeah. he has the weapons and from all what I heard from the press conference that they did we're gonna let you cook Russ yeah. <laughs> like, I mean they could change it but I I think that is something he will be doing and that's more pressure on him but he wants that that's what Russ lives yeah. for I mean he yeah. named his kid win <laughs> yeah I, I'm not as sure
1: just because I think that you don't become a new guy in year what mm-hmm. this will be year 11 for him I do think let Russ cook has some limitations uh that show themselves eventually. Like I think uh, Every time I talk to people uh, About that 2020 season They just tell me And I I tweeted this the other day Like the Rams really broke The Seahawks Like they killed that Let Russ Cook thing by themselves The Bills game was bad that year But you don't play the Bills that often So you can count that up As an outlier They were also just Uncharacteristically bad uh, On defense That game too But like just playing the Rams three times in nine weeks in 2020 just killed that. Like Pete was like, no, like guys, <laughs> this is why we haven't done that for eight years because yeah. it'll look like this eventually. Some team's gonna too high yep. us, yep. do some uh, post safety or post snap rotations with their safeties, and they're gonna kick our ass. You See, know, that's like, well, where that's why it.
3: I'm like a little skeptical that he's gonna be the high flying, high octane offense that. I think people want him to be like, I think he'll be probably a little more prolific than he was in Seattle because it's not Pete Carroll. Right. Yeah. Like I think he'll probably be marginally more prolific in terms of like the volume numbers and the total passing attempts and all that. Um, But like we saw this last year with freaking Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, like two high def- two high defenses can like really slow you down. If you're like a vertical passing offense, you want to run a lot of vertical offense. Like that's what Russell Wilson's best at. He's not good at like dinking and dunking down the field. Right. So or at least, you know, he, his skill set is somewhat limited because he doesn't like to work over the middle of the field. Um, he loves passing deep. He loves passing deep down the sideline. If teams are taking away that and, you know, essentially daring you to, like, pass underneath, that's where I think Russell could run into some problems. That's probably, you know, that's where Patrick Mahomes ran into problems. That's where Josh Allen ran into problems. Like, it took, like, the Chiefs almost the entire year to kind of, like, figure out what they are going to be. And look, they traded Tyreek Hill. Man, um, so like I don't know. Like the, I think the two high trend and like the way teams are playing defenses and the way teams are playing these really elite big arm quarterbacks these days is like changing the game in a, in a lot of ways. We part of the reason we've seen so many of these huge trades. Um, we we make a joke on our podcast like the two high killed like the the NFL as we knew it, like from like two years ago, like Russell Wilson's traded because the two high defense, like Tyree is traded because the two two high defense, like uh, this we're exaggerating, but like, maybe not like it, it actually might be a big part of the reason. Like some of these teams are like, look, we have to invest in other things if we're not going to be able like, to like just throw the ball deep every play. Um, So I don't know. It That's obviously a huge simplification, but it is kind of like interesting to think about how, how that's going to affect Russell Wilson going forward. Like, is he going to be able to run what he wants to run? Because, You know, we go back to when the let Russ cook era sort of fizzled out after starting really, really hot, like in 2020, Um, because it was awesome there for like six or seven games. And then I think teams started to adjust what they were doing to the CX defensively. And you saw you hear like Tyler Lockett, some of these like DK Metcalf, like, oh, yeah, they changed up things. They weren't letting us go deep and things started to fall apart a little bit. So I'm curious to see how they're going to like figure that out.
1: Yeah, from the uh, one last thing on Russ, my thing. The reason why I'm a little skeptical is like if like when Russ sees too high, he kind of wants to throw. What's it called? It's like a honey hole shot, like right up behind the corner, in front of the safety, like mm-hmm. still to the sideline. He mm-hmm. throws it really well, but like when you see too high, I'm, I would almost want my quarterback to be like, all right, I just want you to do a throw that dig right in the middle of the field. And yeah. until Russ is like, I'm gonna kill him there instead of over there about that 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 honey hole shot. Until you're killing them in the middle, I'm like, right, this will this will eventually fizzle out. Like you're so you gotta be that, able to throw yeah. that.
3: That is like I love that point. And that is why the I look, they, they tried to run the Rams offense last year. They brought in the Rams passing game coordinator, um, Shane Waldron. And they tried they wanted to, I think, in theory, run this Rams offense. The Rams offense we saw this year, like with Stafford, he was hitting the backside dig, like mm-hmm. nobody's business. Like that was like a huge part of their game. Cup probably had an incredible amount of production on that play woods too yeah and so yeah and like you said like russell wilson just doesn't really want to throw that so and maybe you can't see it you know like maybe Mm. there is something to the fact he's short like sorry it's probably true um so yeah i think it's it's definitely (laughs) there's a lot of variables in football turns out (laughs) (laughs) and you know it's not as easy as like oh pass more so i don't know It's, it's gonna be very interesting
1: Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Last thing on just any draft stuff where we get Danny out of here. I watched like Desmond Ritter throw like three backside digs on some film and I was like, oh, (laughs) "Oh, take him. This is my guy.
3: I think he could run. I think he could run the offense they want to run. Like, I think it actually would make a lot of sense. We'll see. I'm kind of getting excited about Ritter, talking myself into him too.
1: I just hit up someone, uh, one of the homies just like an hour ago. I said, "Hey, man, I talked myself into Ritter. Like, I, <laughs> I've, I've done it. Yeah. I've done it. We'll see yeah. if I talk myself into corral like in the three weeks of ton the draft. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, listen to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. That is Danny Kelly of the Ringer. Does great, great, great draft work, as you guys can tell. Watches way more college football than probably anyone actually should. Uh, definitely more than." <laughs> Me and Chris do and Danny. We appreciate you so much. Is there anything you want to plug podcast articles sure. you got coming? Anything for you to get you out of here?
3: Yeah. The ringer uh, NFL draft guide is up. Uh, it's going to be a big upload. I think tomorrow up to 75 players. So we got, it's at the NFL draft, sorry, NFL draft the Check mm-hmm. that out. Um, and then I'm a co-host on the NFL. Sorry, the ringer NFL draft show. I'm always terrible at getting these names. Um, the ringer NFL draft show which is twice weekly up until the draft. So yeah, go check that out. Yeah, please. uh, The draft
1: guide, Danny's one. There's a few draft guides that I kind of swear by. Dane Brugler's uh, the beast at the athletic is one. And Danny does a great one as well. Please check that out. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning to the Seahawks man, a man podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Athletic, wherever the hell else uh, you can listen to the podcast. We appreciate you. We're going to lean into more draft content all the way up uh, until things kick off later this month. Until then, we are out. Make sure you guys go follow Danny Danny Kelly and uh, read listen to all his work. On that note, we out.